I was transported. It was awesome. Uh, but I love that song. I love that message. And I just want to say, again, guys, like, you look at the life of a believer, you look at the life of a Christian man, like, yeah, everything around us could be falling apart. Everything around us could be just absolutely crumbling before us. But there is promise and there is truth in Scripture that says that God uses all things to work for good, for those who love God, for who, those who are called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight, And I think we could all sit here and say, you know, there's been times in our lives when things have not made sense. There's been times in our lives where we've gone through difficult things. We've gone through really painful things. But in the end, what we've been able to do is we've been able to look back on how God has strengthened us, how God has grown us, how God has prepared us for things to face down the, down the line. And, and that we have this beautiful promise in Scripture that truly, even though the world around us could be absolutely chaotic, that things work together, that God can make all things, whether they make sense or they don't make sense, work together for the good of us and for the good of his people, for the good of his ministry, for the good of his church. That's a great promise for us to have. But uh, sermon, like mini sermonette over. Welcome to Greenhouse, for those of you. It might be your first time. Uh, This is our last week of this series of talking about some heavy things, some difficult things. I just want to say thank you guys again for uh, the past two weeks, and then tonight as well, looking ahead for this next little bit, naming, claiming. Um, that we're going to be able to tackle some difficult things in a mature manner, in, a, in an adult manner, uh, but be able to talk about something both really controversial in society, but, but when we look at it in terms of Scripture, something really, really awesome that God has established for us as people and for us as his people specifically. So uh, let's get with it. So the question that we're going to ask for ourselves tonight is this, why do Christians value life so much? Uh, That's going to be kind of our our focal point. Now, when I say that, uh, it might sound a little strange. It might sound a little like, okay, what are you really trying to say, Hunter? So uh, nowadays, this whole thing about life, this whole thing about, you know, when does it start? When does, you know, a person become a person? All these things. This is a highly politicized debate. I recognize that. This is especially recently in our country with the overturning of Roe v. Wade um, that, that we're having huge debates and huge discussions as a country over things like this. And so when we say, why do Christians value life so much? In a way, kind of what we're asking is in a cultural, political mindset, okay, why, why are Christians pro-life? Why, why do Christians value life? Why do we promote life? Why do we love life so much? And, and when we say life, not about just like us living it up and things like that. We're, we're talking specifically about just the value of human life, Okay. And like I said, we don't really have to go far to see where this debate starts raising up, where we start finding this debate hit every corner of our country and everything like that. And even, like, we go a step further. There's a lot of people who come uh, November 2024 that they'll go to the polls and they'll be what they consider, like, single-issue voters. Like, this, this, is, this is the linchpin. This is the thing that they're unwavering on. This is the thing that's going to determine my vote, if it's going to go for elephant or if it's going to go for donkey. This is, this is the thing that's going to determine it. Well, as Christians, we believe in life, and we believe in the value of life. We believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in these things. But, but the thing that we're wanting to discuss in this series is why do we feel that way? Remember last week we talked about there's a huge difference in I think this just because, and I think this because, yada, yada, yada. You see what I'm saying? And so tonight, let, let's, let's look at 
quite honestly what this is. And, and the answer, quite simply, to take a really large subject bullet down, why are Christians pro-life, why do Christians value life is this, is because God himself values life. And, and we see that through scripture, we see that all throughout um, the, the Holy Word. We see that throughout the Old Testament. We see that throughout the New Testament. And we're we're going to talk about this really awesome thing, this really awesome, beautiful thing for people is, is that we are made in the image and that we are made in the likeness of God. Okay? We're made in the image and we are made in the likeness of God. Now, when I, when I was studying this, when I was thinking about that, how to describe this, okay, uh, who here is NCAA basketball, NCAA football fan, NCAA sport, college sports, big, if you're that type of person, put your hand high, be proud of it. Yes, because we can be proud about things, all right? So the big thing that's happened recently in college athletics is this whole idea about name, image, likeness, correct? If you didn't know, that's the correct answer is yes. So, so this whole idea of name, image, likeness. So, so we have to go back in time. When I was like y'all's age and, and, and even way before that, what people were doing is they were using the name, the image, the likeness of players for things like video games, for things like advertisements, for things like posters and, and, and bubble gum and things like that. They, they were using the image, the likeness, of these people to promote these things. And so let's say, for instance, like you could buy the NCAA football video game and you could play with the Alabama Crimson Tide and you could play with, it would be like quarterback number nine. And we all know that to be who? Bryce Young, right? We know that. It's, it's very evident, but we could not like name him Bryce Young on the video game for legal reasons or anything. So when you look at it, like, we all know who this person on this video game is supposed to be. It's an image. It's a likeness of the real thing. And so, guys, when we look at our lives, for instance, okay, you look at human life, that we're made in the image, that we're made in the likeness of God. We're going to look about that in Scripture. And so when we say image, we're going to look three things that being made in the image of God means. Number one, being made in the image of God is a reflection of, of God, okay? So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, I know we read that last week, but it applies here this tonight as well. It says in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So in uh, theology and scripture and everything, there's this really fancy term that we put there at the bottom. It's called Imago Dei, all right? And, and what that means is that we are in the image of God. We're in the image of our deity, our deity being God, okay? So being made in the image of God, that means that our lives are to be a reflection of God's, Right? And so let's, let's take that a step further. Okay, what specifically separates human beings, human life, from all the life around? Because, you know, God created everything that we see. God created giraffes. God created, name an animal, favorite animal. What's, what you got? Did you say ants? Pigs. Okay. All right. Very good. Giraffes. I already said giraffes. All right. Lions, tigers, bears, all those things. So, so God created... Bring it back. God created all these things, and we read all through that in Genesis chapter 1, that, that God created all these things, but it, when he came to humanity, that there was time spent. There, there was time, there was effort, there was intric, in, 
intricacy. There was art that took place when God created humankind, when God created mankind. You, you look at the beginning in Genesis that it's speaking everything to existence. He said, let bears happen, let seas happen, let Mount Everest happen, let all these things happen. And it's just boom, 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 boom. When it comes to people, now all of a sudden, hey, let's take a moment. Let's roll our sleeves up. Let's get to work. Like, God got his hands dirty to create humankind. Like, like he was in it. He was, he was working it. He was creating it. And so you look at this picture of humanity, of mankind, of people. <laughs> Sorry. You, you look at this picture of mankind. Okay, what, what happened here? That God says that he made them in his own image. So guys, think about this. Like We are made and we are crafted, we are created in the image of the Most High God. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, Psalm chapter 139, it goes even a step further. It talks about how we were knit together in our mother's womb. I love, where's Stephanie? You're, you, you crochet as well, correct? Yeah, you crochet as well. Like uh, My grandmother taught me how to crochet once a long time ago. Yeah, I made a pot holder which is the extent of my, yeah, yeah. Woo! But, but I, I say, like, all this stuff, like, it's, it's careful, it's intricate, it's detailed. And it says, like, that's how God crafted us together, how God made He says that we are fearfully, we are wonderfully made. We, we are so much more than this just collection of atoms. We're so much more than just a few organ systems. We're so much more than just the 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this earth. We are made in the image of the Most High God, that people, humanity, mankind is made in the image of the Most High God. So we talk about how human beings, how human life has value. It's value because it is a reflection of God on high. Not only is it, an, is it a reflection of God on high, but being a reflection of God, that our lives, that humanity, that mankind, that human life also has worth. Humankind has worth. So let's, and we know this. We, 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 the world affirms this. We know that human life has worth, that human life is so much more important than little small things, okay? So let me paint you guys a really broad, very extreme example here, okay? I go home tomorrow afternoon. I sit at the kitchen table. Sarah meets me at the kitchen table. Hey, how was work, honey? It was wonderful, blah, 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 blah. Oh, hey, by the way, on the way home, I accidentally ran over a squirrel. Okay, yeah, I said that, and everybody's like, huh? Uh, I heard that. All right, look. So, so yeah, like, that's sad, and I don't, don't want to, like, squirrels are good eating, all right? I don't want to make light of squirrels, okay? But, but if I run over a squirrel on my way home, like, that's sad. I, I'm, I'm sad. I, I feel bad for its squirrel family. I feel bad. But, like, my life does not necessarily change a whole lot from that, Okay. Now let's paint, again, the broad, extreme example. I go home tomorrow afternoon. Sarah said, hey, how was work, honey? Oh, it was great. At work, I did this, I did that. Oh, hey, by the way, I ran over a person on my way home. What happens to me now? Jail. I've committed a crime. I've done, you see what I'm saying here? Okay, extreme example. But, but guys, why, why is that a case? Why is it more... Important. Why is it worse that I hit a person with my car than if I hit a squirrel with my car? Because we know that human life has value. We know that human life has worth. The world affirms it. 
Natural order affirms it, and Scripture affirms it for us as well. When we talk about worth, we see all throughout Old Testament, we see all throughout New Testament, that God is continually referring back to how mankind is made in his image, and, and, and he's putting out ground rules, he's putting out expectations for us and how we should live. So Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. So here God is outlawing murder. Why? Because mankind, the shedding of blood, the shedding of human people, the mankind is made in the image of God. He's outlawing that. Let's go to James chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> James writes this. He says, he's talking about the mouth, he's talking about how we use our words. He says, with our tongues we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse people, what? Who are made in the likeness of God, who are made in the image of God. That here what James is saying is that we don't verbally attack, that we don't verbally destroy, that we don't verbally kill people. Why? Because they are made in the image of God, because they have worth, because they have value. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, verse 28. <clears throat> it says this, For in him we live and move and have our being. That phrase, have our being, we think of it like, hey, we're, we're a reflection, that we're a picture, that we're made in the image of God. In him we live, we move, we have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. I love that picture that we are like the children of God when we're talking about being made in the image of God. How many of you guys look at old family photos and you could say, hey, I look just like my mom. I look just like my dad. Some of you? Yeah, some of you guys. I know some of your parents as well. Some of you are like spitting images, right? Hank looks a lot like Sarah, and that's okay, like... I don't know what more you want me to say about that. Like, we'll talk about that when we get home, sure. Uh, but all these things, like that, that idea of like being offspring, like we look like our parents, we act like our parents, our parents have positive impact on our lives, our parents sometimes have negative impact on our lives, that we're made in the image of God. And by being made in the image of God, we have worth. So, so real quick, while we're talking about worth, while we're talking about being made in the image of God, uh, there's this, I, I know I say this a lot, like this famous theologian named like Taylor Swift, and I'll kind of joke, but this is actually a famous theologian. All right, take it easy, Junior Jules, all right? Because you made the t-shirt. This is actually a famous theologian. His name's Millard Erickson, all right? So when Millard Erickson writes, he says, five reasons, what is being made in the image of God, what is being made in the likeness of God, what does that mean for me? So for you guys who are made in the image of God, for people, for mankind who are made in the image of God, for all people who have walked this earth, what does being made in the image of God mean for us? Number one, means that you belong to God. You are created, you are crafted. There is somebody who made you, there is somebody who planned your steps, there is somebody who goes before you, and that your life belongs to God, that your life ought to belong to God. Number two, you should pattern your life after God's teachings and his example. Mainly, you look at Jesus, that you look at Jesus, who is physical representation of God on this earth, quite literally the image and the likeness of God here on earth. That man, like that, if we're going to be a reflection of Jesus, if we're going to be a reflection of God in this life, then we need to live according to his teachings, according to his lifestyle. Number three, humanity is experienced to the fullest when connected to God. Guys, you'll never know true peace unless you find the peace that only God can give. You'll never find true joy unless you can find the joy that only God can give. You'll never find true satisfaction unless you are satisfied in Christ. You see all this stuff, right? 
being made in the image of God, that, that we experience humanity, we experience our 70, 80, 90 years on this life to the fullest when we're connected to the Lord. Number four, and we're going to f- focus on these last two a little bit, all right? The image of God is universal to all mankind. We trace all this back to Adam, that Adam was the first created man, that Adam was the first, the, the head of all mankind, right? That everybody, we can trace our lineage, we can trace our family tree back to Adam. Adam was created in the image of God, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. All of us are image bearers of God Most High. And so lastly, you are valued. You're valued, you're cared about, that there is somebody in this world who loves you. And even if you sit here and think, there is nobody in this world who loves me, there is a God, Heavenly Father, that looks upon you as his child with love. So the last thing that we talk about is this idea of being made in the image of God for all mankind, from the baby in the womb to the elderly person sitting on the deathbed. Everybody who has walked the face of this earth that, the, that with the image of God means that they have the affection of God on their lives. It means that God loves them. It means that God cares about them. And we say as well, like there are, there are people in this world, uh, we jokingly say sometimes they're a little bit harder to love than others. But that God the Father loves them because they are his child. You, you, we, we see this whole picture of life. And okay, why as believers do we care about life so much? Because our Father, who we take our marching orders from, loves people and loves life. Guys, John chapter 3, verse 16, I know we could all sit here and quote it, but God so loved what? The world. Not just the physical blue and green ball that sits out here in space, but he loves the world, he loves the people in it. All of them. Those who have not yet been born, those who are on the deathbed, your mothers, your fathers, your coaches, your teachers, the person sitting to your right, the person sitting to your left, that God so loved the world that he loves all of them. That there is affection to be had, that you are valued and you are loved. So we talk about why we as Christians, why we as God's followers, we love life, we value life. We love life and we value life because we are trying to be a reflection of God. And our Heavenly Father loves people. His heart is bent for people. His heart is bent for restoration, for reconciliation. His heart is bent to make dead things come to life fullest, to its fullest. And he's asking us to be the ones to take that message to them. So let's, I'm going to ask the band to come on up. We're going to do a quick, quick little exercise here. Band, you guys can come on up. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to close your eyes for just a second. All right. Stillness, quiet, everybody, all eyes closed, all eyes closed. Okay. We talk about the love. We talk about the value that God has for life. Let's, let's see it, and let's see who he loves. Let's see who is his people. All right. So everybody take a deep breath with me. All right. Let it out. Everybody take your right hand, put it over the middle of your chest where you can feel that heartbeat. Very good. Everybody, 
Uh, take two fingers, put it in your neck, put it in your wrist or somewhere, get that pulse. You can feel that pulse going on for just a little bit. All right, everybody, eyes at me for just a second. This is truth of Scripture. This is truth of God. This is truth of God towards life and towards humanity in this room. If you have air in your lungs, if you have a heart in your chest, if you have a pulse in your veins, guess what? You are loved, you are valued, you are cared for by the God of the universe. That God loves your life. That your life is not an accident, your life is not a waste, your life is not ruined by the poor decisions you might have made up to this point in your life. That God loves your life, God values your life, God sent his son to die on the cross that he might save, that he might redeem, that he might rescue your life. And that is the message for everybody in here. And if you are here tonight and you do not know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, guys, tonight is the night. We talk about life. We talk about living life to the fullest. You might have thought you've had it good for 15, 16, 17 years on this earth. You can have it great. You can have it better because your life is hidden in the cleft of the rock who is Jesus Christ our Lord, who has saved you, who has redeemed you, who have made you right with the Lord through being in a relationship with him. But here's the thing as well. And this is what I want us to focus on here for just a little bit. Last slide. We know in this room, and hopefully you guys have heard us say here in this room, hey, God loves you. I hope that's the most important thing that you learn from Greenhouse, is that there is a God who loves you. And we've talked about how there is air in our lungs, there's a heart in our chest, there's a pulse in our veins. We, we've, we've talked about those things. But here's the thing, there are people outside of these walls who also have a, that same heart in their chest, who have that same pulse in their veins, who have that same air in their lungs, who walk, who talk, who are also an image and a reflection of our Lord Most High, but who do not know him. And sometimes we look upon those people and we look upon those people that their life is lesser value, that their life is ruined because they've made poor decisions, that their life is, is, is beyond saving or all those things. There's a God who loves them. And he has called us to be his hands. He's called us to be his feet to go and rescue them. Bring them here to a place where they can belong, find answers, make a difference. Bring them to the feet of Jesus. Bring them to a saving knowledge. And so my question is this, do we see people the way that God sees people? But I think the question also is a step further that we need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with the life that God has given us? What are we going to do? What are we going to make of the things that God has given us? What are we going to do with the air, with the blood, with the pulse, with the, with the heart? What are we going to do with the things that God has given us? As a ministry, what are we going to do with the things that God has given us? Are we going to keep showing up on Wednesday night so that we can just hang out and have a good old time? Or are we going to use this as a mission opportunity to say, hey, this is where we come to know truth. This is where we come to know life. This is where we come to know our Lord. Are we going to keep our life for ourselves and build up and work a great career and work 40, 50 years, retire, buy a boat, go play golf, things like that? Or are we going to use our life for something that matters? We're going to use our life to rescue other lives. We're going to use our lives to make an impact and make a difference for other people. Because at the end of the day, I, I know that you know, we're not just focusing on this one aspect of abortion. We're focusing on life because God loves life. And God has asked us to be his soldiers to save and rescue lives as well. And so that's what I want us to ask is what are we going to use our lives for? Do we see people the way that Jesus sees them? 
Do we see people in the way that God sees them? And I can't answer that for you. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. And God, it's honestly a little crazy to think that, that we're all reflections of you, that we're all your children, that we can look at you and call you our father. God, we're grateful for that. We're thankful for that. But Lord, I, I pray that we could look upon friends. We could look upon teammates. We can look upon people that sit next to us in class as classmates. But Lord, through the words we say, through the way that we live our life, through the bold conversations that we have, that we would not look at them as teammates, we would not look at them as friends, we would look at them as brothers and sisters in your family, Lord. God, be with us as we leave this place. I know that a lot of us are not going to school tomorrow, but the next time that we gather back together with our friends, with our teammates at school and everything around the lunch table, God, let us be light, light, let us be salt for you, Lord. And I pray these things in your name.